Tell your friends, the Mark and Max Show is back and better than ever. Oh, yeah! liferadio.fm it is the old mark and mac show and uh by golly friend is it cold outside or is it just me uh, that's what i wanted the answer to your question is yes <laughs> isn't it crazy though when uh you know it, it should be cold right now we, mm-hmm. we're in it's january 12th it's winter, yeah yes but i look out there and go isn't it time for spring you know <laughs> it, it really does i i know i do it every year but it's like come on man yeah. really didn't we have this last week can't we go ahead and get to 65 and you know i'm, I'm good with that i don't mind having a week or so of winter as long as there's snow and kids are out of school right yeah but i mean dude well, cold for just the sake of cold so we can say the the season changed yeah. can't we do something about that mark i, I think don't you know can. we need to get in touch with our friend james span the meteorologist yeah Get him on board with us. We've got to do something to change this. We need to work on two things. That stupid daylight saving time thing, and now the, the winter in Alabama. In Alabama, yep. we have all four seasons in a week sometimes. You know, Can we just oh settle goodness, on one yes. of them, please? No. I. You know, it's interesting because you talked about the daylight savings, and didn't they vote on that this year? You know, say, okay, we're going to get rid of that and just go, but they don't know I, which one to go to. You know you what? Know? I don't know if they voted on it or some politician just rolled it out there and said, we're going to do something about this, because they do that now and then just to seem like... Yeah. It's like the guy carrying the clipboard around who never does anything, you know? Like, yeah. That's the politician saying, I'm going to propose this. Oh, so he looks busy. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So yeah. That would be the, the third string quarterback who's holding the clipboard and he's got a headset on to make it seem like he's actually involved, but he's really listening to YouTube videos. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and max show we appreciate you joining us today we try to remind you at least once a day to please share this with somebody on social media just hey listening to the mark and max show or life radio either one you know just we appreciate it yeah uh the headline screams woman makes history by marrying the color pink now i saw this story and i left out color and i thought I did not know Pink was a lesbian, you know, the music singer, because (laughs) if you remember, Pink used to sing with these girls who actually went on to form a Christian group called Zoe Girl. Yeah. Zoe Girl had a number of hits back in the early 2000s, but the artist known as Pink, she actually had joined them. They were in a band back in the day and actually had a song on the hit film Space Jam that they just rebooted. Wow. Anyway, whenever I, and so that was my first thing with Pink. I thought, Okay. Didn't know. I thought no, she was that good. No, so a woman actually married the color, right? Yeah, as weird as it is, you know, it's funny. I see these stories and I think, I who would have thought just a few years ago that somebody would do this and we'd all go, oh, okay. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> a woman has made history by marrying the color pink in a bizarre ceremony after get this dating the color for more than forty years. Wow. I'm not sure how you define dating a color, but hello. Kitten say uh, Kitten K Sarah is known wow. as yeah. the as the pinkest person in the world and she made headlines in 2018 as it, as it came out that she had spent over a million pounds uh British pounds on her monochromatic home and wardrobe. That's 1.36 million bucks by the way. She's taken now, she's taken her obsession a step further as Kitten is now married to color after being inspired by a child she spoke to. For the ceremony, Kitten wore pink, arrived in a pink Chevrolet, gave herself a pink ring, and what must have been, must by the least... It must, it must have been the least white wedding in history. In a post on Instagram, Kitten shared the biggest day of her life with her fans, and she included pictures of her wedding cake, which was topped off, topped off with a pink swan. In an interview wow. with KVVU-TV, Kitten said that she had dated the color for four decades, but thought now was the right time to make it official. She said she got the idea from a child who mentioned marrying the color since she loved it so much. She <laughs> says, going back to blue jeans and a white t-shirt seemed ludicrous to me. I didn't want to wait until the next special occasion to feel pink credible again. I wanted to feel and look pretty in pink every day. I sold my car, so I had enough money to leave my hometown of Houston, Texas, and head for the bright pink lights of Hollywood. I like to say I'm a flamingo in a world full of pigeons. When I walk down a busy street during the morning commute, everyone's wearing gray and black. There's no expression, no individuality, yet people think I'm the crazy one. Yes, 
<laughs> Just so we're clear, yes. Well, she said it. Pimia. Pretty pink. She's a she's a flamingo. So yeah, she's a bird yeah. brain. Do you, mm-hmm. Dude, do you remember um that? Well, it was a company. They it was in Birmingham, Alabama for years. Flamingo, a friend. Yes. And you would hire them like for a special birthday, and they would come out and just put those pink flamingos, flamingos all over the yard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's what we need to do to this woman. Wow. But bless her heart. Yeah. Her name's Kitten K. So it's like Kitten K. Sarah. Okay. Uh, yeah. This hey, is hey, a made up name. First yeah, of all. Is. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And Kitten from you know uh, what Daddy Father knows best. Okay? Right. Gotcha. So. Basically, we've got somebody who's really stuck in the 50s because <laughs> anymore people don't go to be everybody's not walking down the street in a movie no. wearing black and white clothing. I mean, no. I no. All right. So <laughs> I guess, Mark, you know what it is. What? Instead of being pink, I'm green with envy. <laughs> well, they say it ain't easy being green. liferadio.fm it is the mark and mac show and mark a lot of people have talked about uh covid vaccines and whether they're effective or not right yeah. well there's a story uh, in alabama and in fact aniston alabama the aniston regional medical center um posted a covid19 update right now at regional medical center in aniston alabama there are more patients who are vaccinated in the hospital than ones who are not. Wow. That are in there with COVID. Yeah. So now you have a fact like that, okay, that more people are in the hospital with COVID that have been vaccinated than those that haven't been. So are we to believe the facts or the lies of the left? I mean, who do you believe in this scenario, Mark? Yeah. And it's like, so the question is, well, are the vaccines effective? Hmm. Actually, Look at it. What do you think? The experts are going to say, absolutely, everybody needs a vaccine. Right, yeah. Why? Because the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. It supposedly minimizes the symptoms. That's it. That's it. So, and if the the symptoms of this new Omicron variant are not really that difficult to deal with on a regular day, then why am I injecting something? You know what? We tell drug addicts all the time, you really don't know what you're injecting when you mix that heroin and stuff together, you know? Yeah. And, and we tell them, don't do it because you don't know what you're doing. To your, well, but then we flip side it and say, no, you just need to trust <laughs> us. Shoot this. Come on. Yes, it might be Drano, but it'll be, it'll feel, it'll clean you out. It'll feel good. Wow. Yeah. It's a bizarre situation. So many people uh, have, they've just, they just blindly accept what they see and hear on the news every day instead of stopping to think and that's that's really kind of dangerous for us as a society here's your bottom line yeah if you think if you don't want to take the vaccine okay if you're saying i don't want to get it Mm -hmm. here's your facts right there okay just this is all you need there is no argument for or against it when you have this right if more people and and when you look at the other numbers that came out okay when they said over 40 percent of all hot covid hospitalizations were not COVID related, but right. they counted them, meaning yeah. somebody was in a car wreck and they mm-hmm. were asymptomatic, but they tested positive for COVID. They were listed as a COVID person, you know? Right. Yeah. You, you start coupling these things together. And all I'm saying is if you want a reason, when you're, if somebody's trying to force it on you, just say, well, if it is so great, why is this the case? That's all you got to do. But I saw a, 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 a Twitter post earlier this morning and I actually gra- did a screen grab and captured it because i thought well this is classic this is perfect a guy named ian roden says people often ask me why i hate government so much only government could use your own money to sign a deal with a company to manufacture a drug grant the manufacturer immunity from liability if anything goes wrong with the drug and then punish you for not taking the drug radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and golly g wisby <laughs> let's do another deer story <laughs> another deer uh police who pulled over a suspected drunk driver drunk and drugged driver it's the combo set. or drugged yeah it's drunk, drunk or drug drunk yeah. or drug okay i was so, the reason you know what I, I was explaining this the other day to somebody about yeah. why you don't do a road sobriety test and it's not that I'm all about, let's see if we can trick the law or anything like that. Yeah. 
It's just, you know, that's why they have the DWI. It used to be, you know, driving under the influence. Now it's driving while impaired. Yes. And that's because if you're extra clumsy and you get pulled over and let, <laughs> I mean, Hey man, if you take that roadside test, they can use that as evidence yeah, against yeah. you in court. Even if you are, have been sober for 25, 30 years. Okay. Yeah, right. I so you. taking the, you know, it, Anyway, so I, I whenever I see that, because I thought drunk and drugged? Really? How did yeah. they know that? And then I was like, oh, it's or. Okay, okay fine. Gotcha. Well, yeah. they pulled him over in Pennsylvania. And in the process. So obviously, he wasn't driving very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the process. That's it. He wasn't. Yeah. He's either he's either a klutz or he's under the influence of something, right? Right. <laughs> they, in Pennsylvania, they discovered, <laughs> they discovered a live deer <laughs> that apparently had been hit and then put in the back of the hatchback of, of the car. Is this the uh, Tommy Boy sequel? Is that what we're dealing with here know. now, Mark? <laughs> it's <laughs> alive! He be trying to bite me! <laughs> oh my gosh. That was awesome! I'm sorry. All right, so <laughs> yeah. back to this yeah. really happened, though, right? It really did happen. Over, yeah, they pulled him over. And there's a deer in the backseat. The deer in the hatchback. Yeah, they, they, they set the, free, the animal free after the stop in Newberry Township. But uh, the occupants told the officers they'd realized the deer was still alive but kept driving anyway. Uh, they say, uh, the police said they told a passenger to let the deer go, release the deer, which they have video of. It's been, they've posted oh, wow. with the video of police struggling with the deer as it was carried across the road. The 19-year-old driver is being investigated for suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol mm-hmm. or drugs. Wow. Just wow. And maybe not watching. Should have watched Tommy Boy. They would have known. I know. You, you, know? <laughs> you think you hit a deer and you don't know. Okay. I mean, all I'm thinking is, no, I, I, there's, no, I'm trying to think of any scenario where I would do this, you know? Pick the deer up and put it in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe pull it to and the I, side of the road and right. say a prayer Getting over it, off it the road and drive along. Thing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but that, there you go. Now, that's when they go to court, they're going to look, all right, judge, uh, we believe that Joe Schmo over here was driving under the influence, and here's our, re- he put a live deer in the back of his car, thought it was dead. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show, and you know, Mark, a little while ago, we had the story of the uh, guy putting a deer on the inside of his car. Right. Um, and he, he, he came up with what he thought was a uh, legitimate reason for having it in there. Cops didn't buy it. He still got arrested. But there's a story coming out of Texas. A uh, high school English teacher is accused of putting her COVID-19 positive son in the trunk of her car. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, to prevent being exposed to the virus. Yeah. <laughs> I I looked into this. He's 13 years old, okay? Right, yeah. And... She's been teaching English in the school system for 10 years. Now, she's been placed on administrative leave, okay? But she was so afraid of the virus that she put her kid in the trunk while she was going to an area to get tested for COVID. You know, one of the, the yeah. bulk test sites, you yeah. know, yeah. drive through. Yeah. 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 So she, no, you can't get in the bed. No, you're in the trunk. What is wrong with people, man? Wow. You're going through a drive through testing site. You put your kid in the trunk so as not to infect anybody else. He's 13. You couldn't leave him at home at 13? He couldn't say, I don't think so. Yeah. I I mean, you know what? My kids won't pick up a piece of tissue paper they drop on the floor, but this kid gets in the trunk. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And Mark, some people live their life living and, you know, being born, living their life and never really moving from that same location. My wife is an example of that. Yeah. Uh, We live uh, less than two miles from the home she grew up in. Wow. And yeah, I know it trips me out because I've lived all over the country and and I'm not saying one is better than the other, Hmm. you know, different strokes and all, but it is kind of interesting because there's a story we have out of Paso Robles, California. Yeah. And I've been there because Uh-oh. my grandpa, I spent a summer there one time when yeah. my pa- grandparents lived out there. And if I said Paso Robles hi- to LaDonna, she'd be like, what? Gesundheit. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. Is, is that, is that an internet? What are, what are we talking about, Dave? You know, that would be that. 
That would be the response. So, yeah. When a lockdown gets lifted at this high school, Paso Robles is not a real metropolitan area, Mark. Okay. It's where I found out that summer that dragonflies will sew your mouth shut. <laughs> so really? Remember that story? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's a we good one. told my sister that. <laughs> she spent all summer, whenever she went outside, she was screaming with her mouth wide open because a dragonfly <laughs> will sew that thing shut. <laughs> that's awesome. I got in trouble for that. Yeah, I got in trouble. <laughs> Bless your heart, man. That's it's still a good story. It she is. She still remembers it. <laughs> Every now and again, when Andrea calls me, yeah. Or, you know, sends me a picture. It's her with her mouth wide open. I'm like, haven't you got over this yet? You know, you're a 20-year Navy vet. You got your uh-huh. master's in education. Yeah. You, you teach high school in a daggone liberal Pico commie area, and you're a conservative Christian. But that's what's still on your mind is what I told you when we were seven. That's awesome. Sorry. Yes. And well, I had a little wrong. Wow. Well, in Paso Robles at the high school, Paso Robles High School, there was a lockdown. They've lifted the lockdown. Um, According to a release from the Paso Robles High School, a student saw another student with a large umbrella and reported it to the school as a gun. School (laughs) officials and local authorities reviewed video surveillance and found that the student had an umbrella. In fact, not a gun. Mm -hmm. No threat to the campus. School's back on schedule. In the police department, well, they, they do encourage anyone that sees anything suspicious to report it, but you might want to familiarize yourself with what an umbrella looks like first. <laughs> I'm kind of interested in how this see something, say something started with the Nazis in the 30s, okay? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max show. And hey, a quick heads up, uh, the daily Bible reading right there on the main page at LifeRadio.fm. It is a way to read the Bible from the from beginning to end, but it's not starting at Genesis and ending in Revelation in line by line order. It's compressed and it's not compressed. That's the wrong word. It's put together so that stories that appear in different parts of the Bible are put together. So it makes for a smoother read to get all the info in that's what i'm after anyway check it out liferadio.fm yeah meanwhile back at the ranch you, mark you know what mr there T's, are some you know what mr t said about the bible reading program up with mr. T. it's cool he said it's cool oh okay <laughs> um i pity the fool who don't read the bible so on google maps yeah some really odd things have been spotted and uh it's interesting how you know you think about this is a free thing I always look at what is available to us for free and think about what does the government have? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, man, they've probably got a drone the size of a fly or a ladybug that is in my house right now (laughs) seeing what's going on. I think it probably is, Dave. You should go have a look for that today. Make sure all your screens are right and get your bug swatters out. (laughs) We don't need no stinking screens. (laughs) We had a story, right. remember, uh, last week, the week before, about the uh, the mobster that had been caught because he showed up on yeah. Google Maps on the on the street yeah. view on Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, he was in Spain. Yeah. They find some weird stuff like this, a blood-soaked Pennywise-like mm-hmm. horror clown. And I know you love clowns, <sighs> so I wanted to bring the story in today. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. He's been spotted wielding a knife and lurking in a doorframe in a shocking Google Maps find. The... Freaky clown stands peering out of a door, spattered in blood, at the entrance of a basement in uh, a basement flat apartment in Montreal, Canada. It turns out he's a prankster. He managed to perfectly time the photo to show a horrific scene of him brandishing a bloody knife just as the Google, Google Maps van or camera came driving by. And whether they planned it in order to, be, to, you know, to bemuse future map sleuths or the van happened to pass the Quebec basement apartment just as the Halloween party was about to begin is anyone's guess. Other ominous scenes immortalized on Google Maps included an apparent murder in Leith, Scotland. Back in 2014, the police were alerted after the maps feature appeared to capture a murder. They followed that up and traced the so-called killer to a mechanic's car repair shop in the same street. It turned out, <laughs> turned out that uh, it was just a sick prank pulled by the workers when they saw the camera car approaching. Wow! <laughs> They're all like, "Hey, hey, hey! Go get that knife! Go get that mask!" <laughs> Mark, I it didn't occur to me until just this minute of yeah. what we need to do. Oh. But now that I know, now that I know, <laughs> let the planning begin. Oh. I could be become the hero of the I hate clowns movement. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 
we can stage them. And you know what? We got to find out where that Google Maps car guy is, and we'll start staging these things all over the place. And people, all of a sudden, it'll go viral. Uh-huh. Somebody's killing clowns, you know? <laughs> Dave's yeah. dream comes true. Oh, my goodness. All over the place. <laughs> liferadio.fm. It is the Mark and Max show. And hey, a quick heads up, uh, the daily Bible reading right there on the main page at liferadio.fm. It is a way to read the Bible from the, from beginning to end, but it's not starting at Genesis and ending in Revelation in line by line order. It's compressed and it's not compressed. That's the wrong word. It's put together so that stories that appear in different parts of the Bible are put together. So it makes for a smoother read to get all the info in. That's what I'm after. Anyway, check it out, liferadio.fm. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you, Mark, you know what, Mr. there T's, are some... You know what Mr. T said about the Bible reading program? It's cool. He said it's cool. Oh, okay. Um, I pity the fool who don't read the Bible. So, on Google Maps, yeah. some really odd things have been spotted, and uh, it's interesting how, you know, you think about, this is a free thing. Yeah. I always look at what is available to us for free and think about what does the government have? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> they've probably got a drone the size of a fly yeah. or a ladybug that is yeah. in my house right now <laughs> seeing what's going on. So, I think it probably is, they, Dave. You should go have a look for yep. that today. Make sure all your screens are right I, and get your bug swatters out. <laughs> we don't need no stinking screens. <laughs> We had a story, right. remember, uh, last week, the week before, about the uh, the mobster that had been caught because he showed up on yeah. Google Maps on the on the street yeah. view on Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, he was in Spain. Yeah. They find some weird stuff like this, a blood-soaked Pennywise-like mm-hmm. horror clown. And I know you love clowns, <sighs> so I wanted to bring the story in today. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. He's been spotted wielding a knife and lurking in a doorframe in a shocking Google Maps find. The... Freaky clown stands peering out of a door, spattered in blood, at the entrance of a basement in uh, a basement flat apartment in Montreal, Canada. It turns out he's a prankster. He managed to perfectly time the photo to show a horrific scene of him brandishing a bloody knife just as the Google, Google Maps van or camera came driving by. And whether they planned it in order to, be, to you know, to bemuse future map sleuths or the van happened to pass the Quebec basement apartment just as the Halloween party was about to begin is anyone's guess. Other ominous scenes immortalized on Google Maps included an apparent murder in Leith, Scotland. Back in 2014, the police were alerted after the maps feature appeared to capture a murder. They followed that up and traced the so-called killer to a mechanic's car repair shop in the same street. It turned out, it turned out that uh, it was just a sick prank pulled by the workers when they saw the camera car approaching. Wow! <laughs> They're all like, "Hey, hey, hey! Go get that knife! Go get that mask!" <laughs> Mark, I it didn't occur to me until just this minute of yeah. what we need to do. Oh. But now that I know, now that I know, let the planning begin. Oh. I could be become the hero of the I hate clowns movement. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We can stage them. And you know what? We got to find out where that Google Maps car guy is. And we'll start staging these things all over the place. And people, all of a sudden, it'll go viral. Uh Somebody's killing clowns, you know? (laughs) Dave's dream comes true. Oh, my goodness. All over the place. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. Based on the last uh, bit we were talking about with the Google, you know, car map, the map yeah. guy and, yeah, yeah. and staging things, it's not as easy to figure out where they're going to be next. Yeah. And I'm thinking probably going to have to apply for a job and really invest some time and energy. Or if somebody knows who does this, okay, Ooh, you got a friend of a friend of a relative. Yeah, we need an insider. Google, you know, yeah. Yes. We just need one. That's all we need. Uh, we'll do the rest. Okay. So mm-hmm. give us a heads up. Meanwhile. Japan's very busy, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, there's one guy that's very busy in Japan that's doing nothing. Uh, throughout his 38 years, Soji Morimoto, 
Doesn't that sound like the name of a wrestler or something? Soji Morimoto. Yes. <laughs> he, he had become accustomed to being told by family, classmates, and coworkers that he was a do-nothing. The kind of guy who stood back and mm. let others take the initiative. So after college mm. and listlessly shuffling uh, through one dispiriting job after another, he finally decided that if the shoe fit, why not wear it? In 2018, mm-hmm. unemployed, on a whim, the self-described slacker opened a Twitter account under the moniker Do Nothing, Rent a Man, and began offering his definite companionship, but not a drop of sweat equity to the world. He says, I lend myself out to do nothing, which means I don't make any special effort. He said that to CBS News while seated in a local park between gigs. He schedules up to three appointments almost every day. He says, I don't initiate conversation. I reply to chit chat, but that's it. He has turned down requests to help clean houses, to be a friend, to do laundry, to make scintillating banner, and to visit a haunted house. But he has stood in the freezing cold to be an audience for a struggling street musician, accompany the painfully self-conscious on outings to shops and and restaurants, and even shared cake with a lonely soul on a birthday. He says, people use me in different ways. People, some people are lonesome. Some feel it's a shame to go somewhere interesting alone. They want someone to share their impressions with. What's amazing is the huge variety of personalities, circumstances, and situations. That's striking to me almost every day. Followed online by almost a quarter of a million people, he trudges around wow. town and often out of it, meeting with a steady stream of clients. Rent-A-Man has struck a chord in his workaholic and conformist country. Thousands of curious encounters later, his experiences have earned him a living. He's written four books, including a manja comic about joining uh, clients for a few hours at a cafe or uh, on an outing or even providing moral support while a client filed for divorce. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We need to go ahead and make this guy our leader. You know, that's it right there. You know, why not go ahead and run for president? I mean, <laughs> get him a plaque, you know, wow. I am really blown away by this guy. <laughs> I mean, you think about the kind of society there is this, there's this overachieving drive, 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 drive mentality mm-hmm. in Japan. Yeah. And they just don't have anybody, you know, that's yeah, just in, in chill mode, you know? Yep. <laughs> and so he's so basically, it, yeah. <laughs> this guy's favorite show is Seinfeld, the show about nothing. So there you go. The Mark and Mac Show. LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac Show. And, you know, the old joke about, you know, you're not really here. You know, where are you? You're someplace else. And if you're someplace else, you can't be here. That kind of thing. Right. Yes. You know how I know my children, even though they're adults now, how I know they're not in Minnesota? <laughs> I was there. Because of this story. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the kids who wouldn't pick up a piece of paper, yes. (laughs) Yes, you go to any of my adult children's houses, and it's spick and span. Uh Uh-huh. But when they were growing up, I'm like, dude, there was food and trash. When when you moved out, we had to pay somebody to come and clean that and tore up the carpeting. It was like a hoarder lived there. But now I have to take my shoes off to walk on your hardwood floor. (laughs) That's awesome. We used to know. I could always tell if nobody told me that Joe was coming home from college. I could always tell he was home because I would trip over his shoes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way it was. There you go. (laughs) But students at a Minnesota high school are doing their part to keep classrooms clean after the dismissal bell rings. The state's largest school district, the Anaka, the Anoka Hennepin School District, is 18 custodians short of the 220 it normally employs, which means some buildings are not being cleaned quickly enough. Tom Carp. The district's assistant director of buildings and grounds came up with a plan. He said, I said, what if we looked at the untapped potential of high school kids? A student janitor program was rolled out at Blaine High School, where students clean classrooms for two hours each afternoon. Carp approached Blaine High School's assistant principal, Steve uh, Drulo, who was enthusiastic about the idea. 
Drillo says, we were immediately on board. We were really limited to having zero other alternatives. The students are paid $15.30 an hour, which is the same rate a substitute janitor would earn. For transportation home, students can take the school activity bus. The cleaning is limited to classrooms. The students don't clean locker rooms, bathrooms, or kitchens. The students sweep, vacuum, take out trash, and straighten desks. They've been terrific and reliable, says Carp, who called the program extremely successful. Now, you know, I, I'm not in charge because <laughs> if this was me and I was a student, I would have negotiated to do this during English class. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, we'll clean it for you, but we're out of English, That's you know. awesome. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show the soundtrack for your life playing all day long and loving it man <laughs> you know uh, there was a little time yesterday afternoon mark and i got really frustrated about dealing with some stuff and i had to just ch- i had to take a step back you know just yeah. to chill and i'm listening to the station in my headphones and it just calmed my soul wow. you know it was just in that moment you know and so we tell folks all the time, it, it really is a way to balance your day. You know, you've got choices for how you're going to fill your time. And we all have time. Uh, some of us are, are spending it maybe a little more than we should online, mm, you know? Yeah. And, but taking time out and just listening to music, the older we get, the less we do of that, it seems. Yeah. And it really does have a powerful impact on our life. So really just does. throwing it out there might be a good idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the headline screams texting with your tongue <laughs> yeah yeah it's it apparently somebody who doesn't have enough to do has come up mm-hmm. with a way to do that it's a project led yeah. by a guy who used to work for google hey maybe he can tell us where the maps things are you know <laughs> oh or how to figure out where the car is yes yeah, yeah. Okay. if he can figure right. this out right. he can do it? that yeah Hey, okay. this guy aims to let people have conversations without talking or using their hands to type, sign, or gesture. It's called Silent Speller. All one word, Silent Speller. The project is a communication system that allows people to send texts using a high-tech dental retainer to spell out words without, act, without actually voicing them. The device works mm. by tracking the movement of the user's tongue. I, I quit. I quit. That's it. I'm, the world really has passed me by because this absolutely positively does not make me say, gotta get one of those. I'm telling you, who thinks, oh, I want to stick that in my mouth. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah who? Uh, because it would be so much easier than using the speak to text function or yeah. the actual touching of the keyboard with my thumb. Anything. Come on. <laughs> really know. i don't know that seems like more effort and you know that just seems like too much effort yeah i don't know dave it just hit me i think we've all been in that staff meeting where we would love to be able to text somebody we know who's not involved just to tell them you wouldn't believe the stupid things i just heard said in this room yep <laughs> i think You're i right. might i might have found you- the one reason for having this <laughs> liferadio.fm it is the mark and mac show where we see stories from around the world and bring them right home for you because when i saw this story mark the first thing i did was i looked at the the first three were conscripts in norway yes now we don't actually have a draft in our in in the united states you know you have to sign up for the potential draft when you turn 18 right but in other places around the world it's a, it's a deal. You, yeah. you do it. You know, you have to go in. It's not an, that's why they call them conscripts. You're, right. you're conscripted into the military, man. It's not an option. Right. And in Norway, the conscripts there, <clears throat> excuse me, have been ordered to return their underwear, bras, and socks after the end of their military service so that the next group of recruits can use them. Mark, that in and of itself is so wrong i don't need to go there's like four or five more paragraphs i don't need to go through any of them do i I? (laughs) they're saying we got to have them back because we're running out we're running short Uh, on military supplies i'm like that's what it is okay so you're going with underwear 
Underwear. You know what? They actually were looking over American history, and they saw where Bill Clinton actually used as a tax deduction, giving away, donating his used underwear. How do you and they put went, a dollar value on your used boxers? That's what I want to There know. you go. Come you on. just give them back for, and let somebody, oh. There's something really bad about that. Man. <laughs> it's just Not wrong. something, everything. <laughs> They've had the same problem with shoes, too. Uh, uh, footwear. And so, mm-hmm. I kind of footwear, I kind of understand. That's yeah. a little bit more money. You know, you're going to recycle that and pass it on to the next kid who comes along. But sure. The underwear? Nah. Seriously? I thought the term going commando actually started in the military, but now I really get it. Ah. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Max show, where, you know, we do keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening nationwide. And, uh, you know, it's not enough to say that a house is big. You have to call it a mansion. Mm -hmm. But once it reaches a certain status, okay, right, it has to become mega mansion. And if you're wondering what that status, maybe square footage wise would be, let's just say it's over Mm -hmm. 100,000 square feet. Okay. A one house for one house. A 105,000-square-foot Los Angeles mega-mansion officially became the most expensive property in the United States when it was listed Friday for $295 million. The Bel Air home known as... Yeah, $295 million for one house. Wow. I mean, if you think about that in in the perspective of other properties, you know, like buildings, things like that, it's not that much Mm -hmm. money. But for one house, holy smokes. 105,000 square feet. Yeah, it's big. (laughs) That's 100,000 square feet more than what most of us have. So there you go. At least. (laughs) At least. I could get lost in just the 5,000 square feet left over. Yeah. The Bel Air home known as The One was listed Friday by Brandon Williams of the Beverly Hills Estates and Aaron Kerman of Aaron Kerman Group at Compass. The home was built by developer Niall Niami with a stated goal of creating the most expensive home in the country with an eventual asking price of $500 million. Oh, so it's what? discounted. Niami's yeah. debt on the one grew to more than $180 million, and in 2021, it was placed into receivership. <laughs> a bankruptcy agreement struck in December will see the house go to auction if it doesn't sell by February 7th. Wow. Williams said he has already received offers from a Saudi royal and a wealthy Chinese buyer. He said he expects further offers from cryptocurrency buyers looking for investments. Yeah. Right. Um, here's your bottom line, man. If I would have to assume you own a home like this, you're not really dealing with a mortgage, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just spitballing here, but he had a 30 year mortgage is 295 million. <laughs> wow. Is that? Yeah. In the meantime, Elon Musk, the one of the richest people on the planet has looked at it and gone. Oh, no, I'd get lost in there. No. Yeah, it's, that's too much. No. Too, no. Got to edit. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show where, you know, we were talking a minute ago about the house that's $105,000, the mega mansion. The mega mansion. And I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, there. I know that their pictures are out there, but there were celebrities over time that, you know, who were together, like I remember Tom Arnold and Roseanne, when they got married in the early nineties. And I think Tom said, we're, you know, we're rednecks with money or so white trash with money or whatever it was, yeah. but they were like building a mansion in Idaho, but they're, you know, I guess I'm guessing they ran out of cocaine and broke up. Okay. <laughs> and so the home never got finished. Right. And yeah. it, it was like a testament to failed relationships and uh-huh. it, it was you know, the amount of money that was wasted and it never, it was never finished. And you can actually go online and find these homes, you know, that were abandoned million dollar homes kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, where people, they never got finished and you're thinking, okay, you could probably get a great deal on it, but would you really want it? You know, that's all I was thinking about that. 290, $295 million for a house. Wow. At some point you really do go, okay, I'm a capitalist. <laughs> I have no problem with what anybody wants to do, but if that's your thing, how about, you know what? Invest in the Mark and Mac show. Just throw us five mil. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all we're that's keep two ninety on the house, but throw us five. Give us a percentage. You know, one percent. Yeah. We'll go there. Yeah. And, and make Just it a gift. Idea. You can write it off your taxes. Yeah. You can make it a gift. There, yeah. 
See, there you go. Just a couple <laughs> mil. Anyway. That's it. All right. So, yeah, we had the story earlier today about the uh, the kid getting pulled over, young man getting pulled over in Pennsylvania right, yeah. for and uh, DUI, but he's got a live deer in the back of his car. Right. Well, so as long as we're in that vein of, of people driving under the influence, I thought, why not, Mark? Yeah. Here's when, a Texas guy that gets arrested for it. Yep. When Dex, when de, uh, deputies, huh? what? When deputies with the Harris County Sheriff's Office <clears throat> responded to reports of a moving truck on fire last Wednesday, they might have assumed the incident was due to some sort of automotive malfunction. But upon arriving on the scene, it became clear the issue didn't have to do with the vehicle, but with its driver. The deputies discovered a middle-aged man transporting a lit barbecue pit that had created a large fire in his truck bed. The driver, wow. identified as 40-year-old Jay Rojas, displayed clear signs of intoxication, authorities said, adding that standard field sobriety tests concluded on the scene confirmed that he was intoxicated at the time of the incident. Deputies also said Rojas was found in possession of cocaine. Constable Mark well, Herman, you know, Mark, when you're drinking a lot, you get sleepy. You got to have something to keep you away. And Constable Mark Herman said in a statement, Jay Rojas was arrested and booked in the Harris County Jail, charged with driving while intoxicated and possession of a controlled substance. His bond and court information have not been set at this time. You know, <laughs> if you're my age and you collected baseball cards back in the day, yeah, you had a baseball card of Cookie Rojas. Yes. Okay. I say that because. He was never a big superstar baseball player, so his cards were printed out and get you know they were the extra cards you got. Yes. Cookie Rojas. Yes, I don't remember anything else about the guy, and I wonder if this cat's related to him. It does make you wonder. Hmm. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show where those of you who are googling Cookie Rojas, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Because I did, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yep, I remember about, having that card. You talked about the baseball cards, and I, it hit me. I was not a baseball mm-hmm. card collector, but right. I, I, I think everybody, every kid has has bought that that particular kind of, of gum, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. Pack, you know, and and you get it for the gum, and you get the cards, and, and I bought that too. And it's and you open them up, and you go, I recognize this guy. I recognize who is that guy? You know, yeah, <laughs> that was Cookie Rojas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you go. And he was in every packet. I had a bunch of cookies, you know, that's right. I'll trade you 11 cookie Rojas for one, you know, of somebody, you know, I mean, yeah. But you know, when I Googled him, dude, when I Googled cookie Rojas, you know, what popped up what? pictures of him playing in old timers games. Really? And I'm like, so this goes, yeah, because he played, he played like half a season for so many teams yeah. that he spends his life in retirement, just traveling to all these old timers games. Oh yeah. Hey, Cookie played for us in 1964. That's well, he fun. played for us in 65, played for us in So he just bang, bang, bang. That's his new career. Wow. Cookie, I am. I say new. He probably is gone now, but anyway, I digress. But still, he made a, but still, he made a living off of his old, old yeah. living, even though he, he he didn't make much of a living mm-hmm. off of his old living. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good for him. Good for him. Yes. Cookie Rojas. Uh, All right, Mark, the residential cruise ship. Mm, yeah. Now that to me is not a dream come true. Really? Drinking recycled water, drinking oh. recycled air, or breathing. I just, the idea of a cruise ship, I, I know people love them. I know some people really dig it, but every time I really start thinking about it, it grosses me out. Just saying. Mm, yeah well there are people who love cruising i and jane and i have enjoyed a handful of cruises we've been on a few and we do enjoy them and it's you know it's like it's like being in a hotel and you wake up every day and your hotel's in a different place i mean it's just it's kind of like that i spent the 80s doing that mark (laughs) and i didn't have to board a ship okay wrigley field but (laughs) for a lot of cruise lovers living permanently on a ship is actually a long-held and unrealistic dream Extended world cruises have become popular, more and more popular, by the way, with future new voyages being announced despite the effects of the pandemic and various luxury residents at sea have also entered the market in recent years. However, such experiences tend to come with an incredibly high price, which ultimately means that many uh, cruise fans simply can't afford to get on board with that, so to speak. But a new residential community at sea named Storylines is hoping to change that by offering a more affordable opportunity to live on a cruise ship for an extended period of time or even permanently. 
keep that more affordable tag in mind, okay? Launching in 2024, Storylines is offering up fully furnished one to four bedroom residences, along with studios and two story penthouses, on board its upcoming ship with prices starting at an affordable $400,000 and rising to $8 million. The homes are available as outright purchases, although a limited number of 12- and 24-year leases are also offered. According to founder and CEO Alistair Ponton, an undisclosed number of the 547 units have already been sold, and the residences are on track to sell out by the end of 2022. Those who snap up a home on board Storyline's upcoming MV Narrative ship, currently under construction in, Ke- in Croatia, will receive an all-inclusive life at sea with a host of impressive amenities in return. The vessel is set to feature 20 dining concepts and bars, a microbrewery, three swimming pools, as well as a 10,000-book library, a movie theater, a state-of-the-art wellness center, a bowling alley, and a solar-powered hydroponic garden farm. The narrative is scheduled to begin a 1,000-day maiden voyage across six continents in late 2024, with the ship spending an average of three to five days in each port. I guess, um, for some, (laughs) yeah, that could be an interesting thing. Yeah. And for the rest of us, I'm trying to find the Google car so I can go stab some clowns, you know, and just. (laughs) (laughs) Life radio dot FM, the Mark and Mac show, just cruising along, singing a song, talking about cruises and cruise ships. And I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Yeah. It's not something that appeals to me, okay? Right. But yeah. there are many reasons why. And you know what? Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But whenever I think of a luxury cruise liner trip, I'm going to be honest. I go back to the Titanic <laughs> and think, well, here you go. <laughs> now, the unsinkable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Many of us grew up in the era, if you remember this, before they actually found Titanic, True. you know? Yeah. And it was cool because they even had a movie in the early 80s, I think, called Raise the Titanic or yeah, something. Yeah, they did, but yeah. It, when, they, when they finally did find it, you know, it became a big issue. And many of us have uh, gone and uh, to the actual, uh, you know, the, the places that actually have the Titanic stuff that you can touch right, and everything else. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. But it was the movie that came out with Leonardo DiCaprio and that yeah, whole thing right, that yeah. really just exploded it. Indeed. And, you know, it, it, even to this day, that movie is still watchable and enjoyable if you're Mm -hmm. into that sort of thing, you know? And it's amazing to me. And I didn't know this. There's a child actor who had a bit part in the movie. Yeah. And and he's still getting paid. Yeah. And odds are you're thinking what child actor, I don't remember a kid, but listen, you, you will remember you will. When you hear this, okay. Reese Thompson, he's best known for his role as the little Irish boy in the legendary film. Titanic has revealed. He's still making money off of his role. 25 years later. 25 years. Think about that's how far back that's been. 25 years ago. Wow. The actor was just five years old when he landed the part of a young third class passenger who tragically dies alongside his mother and sister after the iceberg hits in the 1997 movie. In the scene, he and his mother and sister were among many other passengers waiting for the third class main gate to be open. But the family never made it to the lifeboat and were later seen in their cabin where the three of them died together. While his part was small, it was poignant as it reflected that that of so many third-class Titanic passengers who died during the tragedy. Today, Reese, he's 30 now, is the digital marketing director at Brian Head Resort, a skiing and snowboarding facility in Utah. Although he said he doesn't remember much about his time filming the part as a child, he is reminded of it every year when he receives royalty checks. Reese's career started out as a child model, signing with a talent agent after winning a contest. That agent gave his mother the choice of between two roles for Reese, starring in a gas station ad, or a chance to play a part in Titanic. Although the ad was the safer option... His mom decided to put him forward for the role in the in, in the Titanic, and good thing she did, because it went on to become the second highest grossing movie of all time. Thompson wow. says it turned out to be one of the highest grossing films in history, so it's pretty bizarre in retrospect. My mom was like, <laughs> "Let's just do it. It'll be cool, even if the movie stinks. We'll see it." Obviously, it <laughs> ended up exploding, so that wasn't a bad decision on her part. That's for sure. 
While in the immediate years after the film came out, his role was very much still on his mind. These days, the checks he receives are a surprise. And if you're wondering Hmm. about how much he makes off of it, it's about 25 bucks a year. Really? Yeah. I read an article that's two to 300. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I looked it up too, just like you. Yeah. I thought it was 25. Maybe I'm Hmm. stuck on that 25 years later. That's probably what it was. I don't know. Yeah. I looked it up because I'm like, well, how much could he possibly be making? I mean, (laughs) one line in a movie and... You know, he's not in the industry anymore. Really? Come on. Right. Yeah. And the guy's got one acting credit, you know, yeah. Irish little boy Titanic. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was me. And I'm not even Irish. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, what his nickname is what Reese's pieces. <laughs> Life radio dot FM, the Mark and Mac show. And if you have ever studied the history of, of San Francisco. I'm not talking about the political uh, system. I'm talking about geography here. Yeah. And you go back uh, over a hundred years and you look at the San Francisco fire, you know, and, and all the things that took place before, during, and after that. And you look at how that city has been built and what it's built on top of to hear this story is not shocking (laughs) because you know, Biblically speaking, you don't build your house on sand, you know? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a 58-story luxury apartment building in San Francisco, and it is sinking. It continues to sink. It's been tilting about three inches every year, according to the engineer responsible for fixing the troubled building. At the current rate, without a fix, the Millennium Tower in just a few years could reach a 40-inch tilt, which would be be a point at which the elevators and the plumbing may no longer operate. That's <laughs> goodness. <clears throat> think about that. It's 40, 40 inches out of, out of plumb. I think elevators are wow. not going to work. You know, the plumbing is going to have serious problems. That's according to the engineer, Ron Hamburger. Yes, that's his mm-hmm. name. Hamburger told the San Francisco board of supervisors in an update hearing last week that the building remains safe and that installing 18 steel piles to bedrock is the best way to stop the tilting and possibly reverse some of it. The building does uh-huh. continue to settle at a rate of about <clears throat> a half an inch per year and to tilt at a rate of about three inches per year. He told supervisors wow. it is doing this, whether we're conducting work at the site or not. Millennium wow. Tower opened to fanfare in 2009, and all 419 apartments quickly sold out. High-profile residents have included former San Francisco 49er Joe Montana, late venture capitalist Tom Perkins, and Perkins, and San Francisco Giants outfielder Hunter Pence. But in 2016, the building had sunk 16 inches into the soft soil and landfill of San Francisco's dense financial district. It was also leaning creating a two-inch tilt at the base and a six-inch lean at the top. Residents sued the developer and designers. Yep. Yep. And again, when I found out that basically the whole area they build on in San Francisco is trash, you know, granted, it's compacted trash, but it's trash. I'm looking, okay, bedrock? Where are you going to see bedrock? Have you been watching the Flintstones, man? Because that's the only place you're finding bedrock in San Francisco. You know, where you built this building. (laughs) Begin your day with a smile. The Mark and Mac Show, weekday mornings, only on liferadio.fm.